Well, Shiver Me Timbers is warm beer in the Cheap Seats podcast. I'm Casey I'm with Big Mike. Sweet Melissa's joining us in a minute. And Big Ed eventually, once he gets free from the Montecito. We're back. It's Friday. Big Mike, take it away. What's happening, everybody? It's Friday. Big Mike coming at you. Warm beer in the Cheap Seats radio podcast style. We got a bunch to talk about tonight. We have, of course, Big Ed's rock and roll retrospective. We got Casey's baseball minute yes we're gonna cover a little bit of the race at darlington we're gonna give you a commentary on a very interesting video ah yes and uh a bunch of other stuff some little bonus material it's all bonus material let's face it so let's get to the show i'm sure you're tired of hearing me just me yap let's go casey take it away all right well <clears throat> maybe we'll just start with the baseball minute it's kind of early at the show, just kind of slowly rolling to things. So welcome back, everyone. These are the five things you really need to know. However, I'm going to keep con- continuing to call the segment the Baseball Minute. So deal with it. So what you're saying, it's more than a minute. It's a it's a liberal minute. A very, okay. you know, liberally, you know, a pinch, a dash. Like when I say I'll be ready in a minute? Something like that. A female minute. <laughs> there you go. Without further ado. <laughs> So, number one, uh, the Angels uh, threw a hitter, a no-hitter, uh, early in the week. Um, young, uh, young guy, Reed Detmers, a rookie. It's his 11th start. <clears throat> so, it's something you don't usually expect from the, the young up-and-coming guys to no-hit. Uh, it's their 12th no-hitter in the franchise. Congratulations, Reed. Reed, uh, secondary note, he was rated earlier. Uh, as coming up as the number one left-handed pitching prospect in all of Major League Baseball. Wow. So, you know, uh, so whoever scouted him, scouted him right, because the guy came out pretty much on a no-hitter right off the bat. On the receiving end of the no-hitter was the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, for such a young franchise, they have a panache for getting no-hit. Uh, this is their sixth time being no-hit. Hmm. Um, so... Hey, it is what it is. It's baseball. You just keep playing on. Now, uh, talking about the Angels, I don't do a lot of West Coast love other than talking about not that Will Smith of the Dodgers or the Dodgers in general. Uh, The Angels, you might guess, uh, their best hitter. Um, I'm I'm afraid to ask you, Big Mike. Probably don't know it. A current angel, you'll probably go with Reggie Jackson, right? Yeah, I would be. I, I, could, I, I couldn't give you a current angel. I, I would, I would be lying. I'd be making a name up, like. Uh, well, see, Reggie Jackson got cut from the Angels because he tried to kill the Queen of England during a scrimmage game between them and the Seattle Mariners in 1988. What? That was on. Um, yes, uh, and then it was broken up by Enrico Palazzo, the opera singer who done the national anthem. He are you being serious? It was yes, in the movie true. Naked Gun. It, that's a documentary. That's a it documentary. Is a documentary. <laughs> um, Angels best hitter. Most people would say Mike Trout, Jer- uh, Jersey Kid. Yep. Arguably one of the best players in baseball. Uh, some people may say the two-way baseball player from Japan, the Japanese Babe Ruth, Shohei Itani. However, according to David Adler of MLB, he said the guy you got to watch is Taylor Ward. It's their young right fielder who's uh, been promoted this year, full-time right fielder. Uh, he's batting 367, 
He's got a 490 on base percentage. So on base percentage, that's your batting average plus walks. Okay. So that's every time, you know. So half the time he's getting up the plate, he's on base. That's pretty good. Um, anything over 400 is fantastic. He's almost at 500. And he's already got seven home runs. So he's the guy to watch. So, um, you know, any of you fantasy buffs out there, uh, maybe this is a guy that you could pick up uh, to get your offense going. Um, I'm not condoning gambling. Anyways. We're adults. Moving on. I talked about the Cincinnati Reds last week struggling on the win column. They were three and twenty-two as of this time last week when we were live. They are now eight and twenty-four. The Reds more than they almost doubled their win total in one week. Congratulations, wow. Cincinnati. Hang it. Hang in there, Queen City. Hang in there, fans. The Reds may win a few more games this year, so they're doing a little better. Now, <clears throat> the best team in baseball, that's always arguable. Uh, but right now, the hottest team in baseball is the 2017 Asterisk winning Houston Astros. They are currently in the middle of a 10-game win streak. You still got to pay attention to it. Uh, they're on a very big tear. Um, they are tied for first in their division in the American League West with the Anaheim Angels. Or there could be a half game difference. I think it was a. Uh, I digress. I'm not going to pull up the Google machine. Just everyone just stand down. Mm-hmm. However, arguably the best team in baseball, and it, <clears throat> I'm going to choke it, choke this down. The, the puke in the back of my, my, it's the New York Yankees. They have the best record in baseball right now, 23 and eight. Um, the Rays are in second, playing fantastic. There's still several games behind them. Uh, but they clearly have the best record in baseball. Uh, no question as to why, as the Yankees, I think, lead the American League in runs scored or maybe their second overall. And their pitching's been so far astounding. So they're almost doubling up. Uh, you know, they had like 190 runs scored to 90 runs scored against them. You're usually going to win a lot of games when you're outscoring your opponents like that. So. The Yankees are in first. However, no one's won the pennant in May. It's an early season. That's my baseball minute, and I'm out. There you go, gang. Baseball minute with Casey. Yes. Yay. You want to talk NASCAR? Sure, we can go into Darlington. So uh, last weekend, ran NASCAR ran their throwback race. Uh, did you look at any of that with the, the throwback? I, I always like the throwback. I like to see who's got different paint schemes or – who they're they're throwing a nod to? Sure. I was somewhat disappointed with the throwbacks, other than Corey LaJoy's car, which was painted like Marty Robbins' old race car, which is like a purplish pink and yellow, and it paid tribute to his short track car because it, he ran the number triple seven, which was Marty Robbins' great country singer, his number on the short tracks. I think that was the only car that really got me excited. I think, I think the the throwback theme in NASCAR is losing a little steam. Well, you you got to be able to just throw caution in, like fuck it. We're doing the 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 Camel Joe Mister Excitement car. We're- I think, in fact, I think somebody did have a car that nodded to. No, they did not. They didn't. They didn't have one. Because if he did, at the end of the race, to complete the nod to Mister Excitement, he punches Kurt Busch right in the fucking That's face. That's it. That's it. Uh, Joey Logano, who won the race, his throwback was a throwback to himself. 
his throwback car was a paint scheme he ran on his first quarter midget. Okay. Which I think that's okay. You sure. can throw back to yourself. I just think I liked it at the beginning. They did it by decades. They, they when they first started this, oh, I want to say for it's theme 50s, 60s, 70s. I'd like to see that come back. Sure. So that you kind of have all the cars, you know, kind of going along the same theme. I, I Some of the stuff is just. Yeah, give me a, a Lake Speed Sunoco car. That was a great looking car. It was a sharp looking car. Didn't find the uh, Winter Circle. No, much, Lake Speed didn't find the Winter Circle. Ironically, he didn't have the speed uh, to get to Winter Circle. Very much so. See what I did there? I was very good. There. That was a great little pun. Yeah, he never heard that before. So the big controversy, Casey, yeah. at the end of the race, Joey, as I said, Joey Logano won the race, but he gave, speaking of uh, old Puntarooski, <laughs> right? Uh, Joey Logano sent, gave uh, William Byron. He moved like pond water. <clears throat> the bump and run. Hi, Big Ed. Big bump and run. Oh, he just drove through him. He drove through him is right. Now, there's no like, oh, it's just a little push. I'm like, dude, he just drove right through. He drove right through. through him. And I had, but here, here's my take. I had no problem with it. Not that I dislike William Byron. It's quite the contrary. It's not that I'm a big Joey Logano fan. I'm okay with Joey. He came with a head of steam. He could have just passed. I think he could have passed him. I know he could have passed him. He had control of his car. He, uh-huh. he had plenty of time to go make a move. However, Logano was getting even. I watched, he said that at the end of the race, he said that he was put in the wall by uh, Byron on yeah. that last lap on the, on the, it would have been the, yeah, on the last lap there. So I did watch it after the race, NASCAR.com. They had the in-car camera from Joey Logano. Yeah, Byron kind of, my opinion from what I saw, Byron put him in the wall. Byron said after the race that Logano got spooked and put himself into the wall. But the way Joey saw it, the way I think it happened. Well, that, that must have been later than Byron said after the race. Because immediately after the race, he said he Jeff, was Byron, or, uh, Jeff Gordon was walking up to him. He called him a fucking moron. <laughs> yes. He's, there's no holds barred. You knew, how, you, knew, you knew how Byron felt about Joey Logano at the end of the race. You know, and Jeff Gordon did the right thing. He just didn't – he acted like he didn't – hear it or whatever he just kind of let him vent well they showed at the end of the race when there's no feed uh, you know feed the fire after logano gave him the biggest bump and run ever in nascar history they showed jeff gordon he just shook his head yeah so byron who was going to win his third race of the season ended up finishing 13th yeah well so top 15 top 15 he hey listen Still a good day. Joey Logano was on Corey LaJoy's, I guess Corey Stacking LaJoy's. pennies. Yeah. So. He's got it. I've never listened to the podcast. I've, I've, I I want to prioritize that because everybody says the podcast is pretty awesome. Well, Logano had pretty much said on it that it would be best that Byron just forget about the weekend and just move on. Of course he's going to say that. Because <laughs> he like, the when they go to Kansas this weekend, he doesn't want to get put in the wall. Because in my in Byron's mind, there's payback coming to Joey Logano. When I would wait, I would wait a couple weeks. Of course, because he would be expecting it this week. Well, so, the NASCAR officials are expecting it. If you wait two weeks, they're so dumb, then they're like, well, that's just totally weird coincidence. Nah. 
Weird coincidence, he T-boned him coming out of the pits, you know. <laughs> Matt Kenseth style. <laughs> yeah. you know, he, I remember watching that race. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. There are plenty of other drivers that like to put Logano in the wall, so I wouldn't really worry too much. I'm surprised that's a guy that doesn't have his eyes dotted more often. Well, <laughs> he, yeah. He's just uh, – because he – Drives like that all the time. Nobody, he nobody so, has you know, the penmanship anymore. The dot eyes. <laughs> well, I was I was discussing this with a all across the T. I, I was discussing this Joey Logano situation with another race fan friend of mine, and he made a point. I said, you know what? I think that explains Logano's actions. Yeah, coming up, Logano was kind of pushed around. Wow, Big Ed, what do we got going on? Yeah. You How do you guys hear everything like that? Because you got a I, microphone. Uh, the phone, it must be, uh, I must have like a NASA microphone on my, you know, the only uh, one. That's how I imagine it. Well, that's, well, well, that's what the CIA requires so they can listen to your fucking conversations all day. They're so disappointed. <laughs> like he talks this about. This guy talks about, t- he says the dumbest things, this guy. They're like. Hey, he's got this guy, Petey. We better – who's this Petey? We got to keep an eye on this keep an eye on this Petey. He was so <laughs> important. He got another one. <laughs> that must be his captain. So back to the NASCAR thing. Logano, as, <laughs> are you okay, Big Ed? Are you okay? Yeah, what, what are you doing? We're, we're like banging you're, like you're something you're slid and around. fell. Wow. It's funny when Big Mike is remote, it sounds like the little kid on on Big Daddy. And he went to his but bed on know, the newspaper. Know, and then you know, I, I like I like I like tippy toe like Fred Flintstone into the fucking kitchen. Like, the fuck is that? Fred hey. Flintstone <laughs> yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> it's like bizarro world. <laughs> we are in a bizarro world. So Logano, I, I think he I, I, a friend of mine made a point. Coming up in uh, Cup, Logano kind of got pushed around. And I think now he's just – he's ultra-aggressive. He's not going to get pushed. He's going to be the one who's doing the pushing around. Uh, for better or for worse, uh, I, I think that's that explains his actions. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Roger Penske doesn't give a shit. His car's in victory lane. Oh, yeah. Roger wants to win. He wants to win races, so – if that equals winning races, Bob's Burger the movie, huh? <laughs> that well, that totally derailed the show. Right. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say it. Memorial Day. That's, that's an underrated idea. show. That is an underrated show. I've watched it a few times. And I'm like, that's eh, not bad. Yeah. So anyway, gang, that's coming out along with Top Gun. I bet you that beats Top Gun at the uh, oh, yeah. box it's office. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so other than that, I, I, I think – Again, it wasn't a bad race. I think there could have been a little more passing. Uh, so at Darlington, it, it's like you, you had to pass early on at the re, during the restart. Gain your positions early, early in the run, because after that, they really weren't able to pass. So that I find that a little disappointing. And NASCAR, again, they'll make the tweaks. They'll, they'll, they'll get it right to get the short track package right for these, this new seventh generation car. Um, and then here's the other thing. Yeah. What did you think? We had three 
NASCAR Hall of Famers yes. help call the race. We had Richard Petty, we had Bobby Labonte, and we had Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. Yeah, it's different. It, I liked it. I liked it. And I think the driver who gets the trophy for best guest analyst, Bill Elliott, he had a, I thought Bill had the best insight on these new cars, maybe because his son is a current driver. Yeah. But Bill had a lot of knowledge of the cars, what was going on. He had a lot of good insight. He was, he was pretty witty. Um, and did it. I think Bill did a great job. I think Bill, if he wanted to be in the booth would have a job in the booth. And I, Bobby Labonte too. Bobby Labonte didn't do a bad job. Um, he, he would have a, he would have a place. King Richard. King Richard was King Richard. He just was the king. Yeah. Did legendary stuff. He didn't really have to say much. No, he usually doesn't. <laughs> he just stood there, but you couldn't tell because the camera wasn't on him. <laughs> so. Oh, by the way, we have another uh, mystery here going on at the Montecito, just like uh, 15 years ago. Oh, um, go ahead and fill us in. Yeah. Well, you remember when uh, I was kidnapped and chained to the tub we found out i was the guy that was dyslexic yes wait well i need you two super have... sleuths uh i just had the plumbing redone again because i had to take a couple hours off for my day and my hot water is backwards so i wonder if this joker's back looking for trouble uh-oh my kitchen the hottest <laughs> cold and the cold is hot <laughs> like it's I wouldn't of, notice. It's not like a McDLT. I feel like you're speaking another language. Well, um, pig Latin. No, it's like the streams are crossed. To me. Streams are crossed. Yeah. Uh, Schwartz. Yes. Islands in the stream. That is what, what we, we are. are. Yep. I hope other people are confused too. Well, maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Mm. Yeah. So one will never know. <laughs> so anyhow, so that's that's about all I have for NASCAR. Um, Joe Logano, another first time winner this season. I think nine, nine or ten yeah. first time uh, uh, different winners. And I think this this week at Kansas coming up, I think we have another uh, first-time winner for the season. Not first-time winner overall. I think it will be one of the veterans. But uh, I think the trend of a different driver in victory lane for the next few weeks uh, it continues much like it did last year. I'm just going to say Kyle Busch for the sake of just throwing a name out there. <sighs> Kyle Busch is due. He really is due. Um, as much as uh, to my chagrin to say that, but he's due. He's due to win. Uh, oh, how about him leaving his car? In the oh, that was that was he great. He said it was broke, so he just left it. I, I, yeah, it, it was. He was being a bitch. His wife. <laughs> he was throwing a, a hissy fit. He was throwing a bush. He was throwing a bush. That's what we can call it. Yes. What are you doing? I'm throwing a bush. That's exactly what he does. Careful where you say that. Throws a bush. But yeah, he's he was being a bitch. But hey, that's Kyle Bush. That's he love him or hate him, he is important to the sport. 
because we're talking about him. What more can you say? If you're not getting talked about. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, if Ricky Bobby taught us anything, if you ain't first, you're last. And Kyle Busch was almost last. (laughs) He sure was. Was it a good day for old Kyle? Do you think he just goes in and just trashes his trailer? He he walked with purpose to the to the hauler. Then he changed into his street clothes and his interviews. He's got like a shit eaten face for his interviews. Oh yeah, just nasty. He does his, he does himself no favors, <laughs> guys. Uh, uh, I'll give you an example of a guy who always has a smile on his face and gives a great interview. Joey Logano. Even when oh. he's, he's, he's always, he gives a good, he, he's going to give a good interview. He's going to have a smile no matter how pissed off he is. So I get, I give him hats off for that. He does have a good temperament, but he could be also just a moron. And that's why. <laughs> Talk to William Byron. He, he can probably tell you a little bit about I that. I think he'd say he's a fucking moron. <laughs> I think the word fuck was probably used. <laughs> so as it was a superlative. Was, yes. Yes, very much so. So, so and at Starlington, we're going into Kansas, mile and a half racetrack. See what happens this weekend. Uh, season's been fun, been interesting. Great, most all the races have been. They've been captivating. There's, in my opinion, there's been no snoozers. You know, the big thing a lot of people are watching insiders and TV is because uh, ABC's. And ESPN has spent a lot of money with F1 racing. Yeah, you know F- I mean, F1 was in uh, Miami this past weekend. ESPN spent a lot of coverage, and I don't know how much money they. I think they had. Rights. I, I think they had um, pretty good, pretty good viewership. I'm not an F1 fan; it does nothing for me. Uh, but hey, if there's viewership, uh, uh, motorsports. Yeah. I, I was listening to. You know who Dave Moody is on XM Radio? Absolutely. He's the afternoon drive guy. very pleasant guy. He's very pleasant. He's, a, oh, he's yeah. a, He is a classic New Englander. I no, love no, no. him. I like Dave Moody. Great, he said great broadcast. His, yeah, his, he his, doesn't get irritated easily at all, does he? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> all it takes is one phone call about the race that, that he doesn't agree with, and he's off the rails. <laughs> well, he said he had a good, he had a good point. Uh, I think the F- F1 race got a lot of views this weekend, and he said – it doesn't matter what form of motorsport it is. If motorsports in general, if they're getting good viewership in TV, that's good for all motorsports. And I have to agree with them. Well, I want to say, though, kind of shame on ESPN. I mean, look, they, they pumped up F1 all weekend, which is fine. They, they were airing it, you know, on their channels. You know, uh, that, that's fine. But they never do that for NHRA. No air NHRA, and they'll just you know what they. It's like they bury the lead. Like, well, why don't you pump up NHRA? You'll get that's better true. Beer. Listen, the, the NHRA, NHRA does. It's kind of like the redheaded stepchild in motorsports. Dude, they, it's probably the best value of all motorsports if you ever been to an event. They're they're okay. I, I'm I'm not a big drag racing fan. They're good. They're fun events. Yeah, um, but for fifty bucks, you get the whole day of racing. You yeah, get to go to true. the pits. You get to talk to the driver, the crew. No, you're. I, I think it's a lot of bang. And you have the. You could either watch racing or watch them rebuild engines. It doesn't matter. And if you've never seen a top fuel car go by, you're missing out. I I think it's the most incredible thing. 
your whole body just shakes oh, when it goes this by is you. True. I mean, but that they, horsepower dissipates right through you. Like, holy shit. Imagine being strapped in that fucking thing. But like Casey said, I think that they don't get the respect. They, no. they, they, they never carry no. the events very seldom. I'm not going to say never. Very seldom do they carry the events live. They're usually tape delayed same day. Yeah. And um, they, they, they get crappy. They get crappy, you know, uh, time slots. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think the NHRA maybe deserves, not maybe it does deserve a little better. Well, the NHRA uh, comes on after NASCAR, and most yeah. time people are done with watching sports, no matter what it is, by that time on Sunday. Now, at that time on Sunday, it's like everybody's turning the TV off or flipping over to Murder She Wrote or whatever. Uh-huh. The fuck's 60 on. minutes. I'm still waiting for Andy Rooney. And. Um, that it's amazing. The clock's always the right time. When let me tell you another thing. And anyone listening, Andy Rooney's been dead for years. Yeah, yeah. He had great eyebrows. Fantastic. The best in the biz. I don't think they've ever. They were never ever in his lifetime. Well, that's uh, what they bottled Brillo after. His like, eyebrows. We put some soap in those things. We could clean fucking steel pans. <laughs> we could get rust off bumpers. Anyway. My God, I hope he never goes off the air. We'll have no more cleaning ideas. <laughs> His segment was good on 60 Minutes, though. Yeah, it was like a little comedy relief. He was comedy relief. For a very serious show. Very much so. But 60 Minutes, you know, not to go not to go down a rabbit hole. I think that's a great... That's one of the best news programs on TV. I always enjoyed 60 Minutes. I mean... There was the inter- bringing like different journalists and you know they have different pieces and stuff like that. It was it was you had it was newsworthy topics, but done in a very entertaining way. Yeah, you're you're gonna learn something. And uh-huh. Mostly unbiased, I would have to say. Yeah, I don't know. You'll you'll definitely learn something. You know, or at least a how many years has that show been on TV? Thirty, at least, yeah. probably forty. Yeah. It's a Sunday night staple. It is. It is. Yeah. But you know, as long as Joe Biden's been in politics a long fucking time. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Hey, can we talk about a movie I watched this week? Sure. What movie did you watch? All right. Fatal Beauty. I'm not sure if you. I I don't even remember this movie. Who's in this movie? Okay, and Let I don't know if you remember this. You can look it up on IMDb or the Google machine or or Wiki. So um, this was during a time when Whoopi Goldberg was doing a series of movies like every summer, and they were doing pretty well. Um, she had just done uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash, which is a pretty good movie for her. That, that, like, isn't that, it like her? Like that her, was like a big breakout movie for her. Uh, yeah, it was like a comedic like like crime drama and then she did color of purple and then she did this movie she did uh burglar uh that led into later she did ghost sister act you know and then you know the acting career went in another direction but this was like in the middle of like her being young coming up it's a detective movie it's based in la and this kind of follows the premise of any like uh 80s detective movie um there's going to be a lot of gunfire and not really for any reason. I mean, can I ask you a quick question though? Before, sure. 
Did you watch this movie on purpose, <laughs> or did you? Were you flipping it, no, channels? No, no. I, I, I had um, uh, not Tubi. It was uh, what other app? Uh, Pluto. It was on Pluto TV, which is a free app. It, you know, it's like a streaming site, like uh, like Hulu and all them. And they have like old, but they do a lot of older movies from the seventies and eighties. And it just happened to be on. And I'm like, I'm like I think I know this movie, and I kept watching. I don't remember. Sam Elliott's in it. Sam the Elliott. great, okay. the great Sam Elliott. He's got a great mustache. Uh, the mustache <laughs> was fantastic and front and center in this movie. Uh, and this is right before he did Roadhouse, you know, Roadhouse. So uh, before he had to, you know, kick some ass with uh, Patrick Swayze, he was uh, he was basically a hired um, security for a guy that was basically the drug dealer um, crime syndicate of L.A., but at the same time, he was funding everything in the city. Right. So City Hall is saying, leave the guy alone. And that's always thing with these 80s movies. You know, the chief is always telling the detective, hey, hey, City Hall's on my ass. Leave that guy alone. Right. You know, he does a lot for the city. You got to leave the guy alone. You can't just say he's murdering people or yeah. he's bringing cocaine. And they're talking about cocaine with fentanyl, by the way, which was really weird because I'm like, I don't think that's how you're supposed to mix it. But I'd never heard of fentanyl till more recently, and then it was in the '80s movie. But so there you go. But I'm not a pharmacist. Drug when used the right way. <laughs> I guess so. Well, they were doing it wrong in the movie too, because everyone kept dying. <laughs> and so Whoopi goes to the first crime scene where they broke up broke up a drug house, but you know no one's there. She goes outside and she sees a van and she sees something underneath the van, and then she pulls her gun and shoots out the lock in the door because that's what you always do when you have a locked door in a car. You, shoot you take your gun. Without warning, and you just put it up to the lock. Was it point, point blank? Pretty much. You're like two feet from it, and you just blast the lock out, and the door always opens. Well, <laughs> no shit. There's a hunched dead body in there. Well, it was dead after she fired yeah, that she fucking fired thing. Around. And then yeah. she just said, you know, blood doesn't, you know, come from drugs. And you're like, well, probably comes from your fucking bullet, lady. Oh, no uh, and that was the first of like eight people <laughs> she shot in the movie without Amazing. asking questions. Um, she well, shot a lot of people. Um, these 80 detective movies. She has an Italian last name in this movie, Rizzoli. Yes. And, she doesn't look very Italian And, and to Sam me. Elliott said to her when he met her, he's like, oh, Rizzoli, I, I just have a thing for Italian women. <laughs> <laughs> he's really good in it. Um, you know, it's not a bad movie. It's, it's a movie of its era. And I'm going to say like, hey, go out of your way to watch it. But if it's on, it's... It, so it's an 80s cop. Yeah, it's like an hour and a half long. Like all movies were an hour and a half back then. It's right. you know, it's an R-rated movie. Um, you know, so Oh, look at this. A love scene was filmed between Sam Elliott and Whoopi Goldberg. That'd be one to see. But was cut from final edit. This is in uh Did You Know on IMDb. Yeah, um she shoots everybody. Uh, you know, these 80 detective movies the equivalent of the Maytag man would be like your uh, your judge because there's no, no one was ever brought to trial. Everyone was shot in the movie. Everyone was always sh shot in these movies. No one's arrested. They just shoot them and they move on. Die hard. Not one person brought to justice. They no, all they died. Just died. Blew up a building and died. You know, and, and Bruce Willis was hung over, and that's it. Meanwhile, judge. Well, that's how you keep it to ninety minutes. Well, yeah, but that's also, you got a judge just sitting around, you know, on the city's dime doing jack shit. 
There you go. Yeah, but I don't know these these eighty detective movies. I they're not I, bad. I, I like them. I like them. I they they usually have some cool soundtracks, some cool music in them. Did they have cool music? No, this one did not. No cool music. No, no Glenn Fry. No Glenn Fry. Really, that's disappointing. No Michael McDonald. No Kenny Loggins, which I was pretty sure like it was Law. Kenny Loggins had to be in the soundtrack in the eighties, but um, not so much with this one. Yeah, not so much. But it's funny. Here's a, a young a young whoopee. Not many Black Goldbergs, too. It's kind of odd last name, wouldn't you think? Yeah. Very Jewish. Yes. They should bring her into the Goldbergs. She, they should. That would be well, great. Well, she's been inclusive forever. She's yeah. been what? She's inclusive. Oh, okay. She's Black Jew, Black Italian. She's done it all. I'm exclusive. She, she's ahead of her times. Yeah, nobody wants to see her naked because they cut her love scenes. And hey, uh, have, you, have, you seen, have you seen her recently? I, I definitely don't want to see her naked. George Carlin was ahead of his time, he used to say, but he was only five minutes ahead of his time. Correct. Uh, hey. But that's. Yeah, we should watch the, the, the Carlin show. That's got to be streaming somewhere, right there, Big Ed? Oh, yeah. I used to watch that in Ohio. But it was great. He was a cab. He was a cab driver. See, I remember watching it when it was new, and it aired like I think it was a Sunday night show on Fox. And then um, I'd never seen it in syndication. But I need to go find that. I better write that down so I don't forget. But I don't know the Fatal Beauty. You guys ever have a, a weird old movie you ever want to talk about? We'll bring it up. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about the cooking segment? Absolutely. Let's let's big ad. Do you have the video ready for the cooking segment? We we <laughs> this is from Reddit. Cooking live on stream and having no clue about what you're doing. There's no truer statement. So, Casey, you want to set this up for the for the kids at home? Yes. Um, it's a young woman. Uh, in the kitchen, and she's got her little camera set. She's, she's kind of a foxy looking broad. Yeah. And meanwhile, it starts. It starts out. There's a lot of freaking smoke in this kitchen. A lot of smoke, and then um, obviously it looks like a grease fire. She puts it near the sink, and, and then she puts the frying pan. Now it's back on the stove, and the stove catches on fire. Yes. And she scream, "Help! Help!" Yep. She's talking it's, to the camera like she's the, she's talking to her live stream. I don't know what to do. Get baking soda, lady. Shit, yeah, shit. shit at it. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Meanwhile, this maybe if you eat up all the oxygen, it'll just burn out. I need a fire extinguisher. I need she a needs a class B extinguisher. Stat. And it looks like the fire puts itself out in the frying pan. Where is this? It's some idiot There's on a live it. stream. No, I mean, do we know where? No. Oh, I don't. Meanwhile, know. this smoke detector is raising hell. Does anybody think this was on purpose? No, I don't no. think you. Well, I mean, then she's a clock. Wow! Already. Now, now, look, fire starts again. No, no, no. That, that's, oh, it's it, a, it looped. It looped. Is she wearing a bathing suit and an apron? <laughs> 
I don't know what she's wearing. It looks like a she's wearing suit a dress. She's got a lot of shit on her fridge, though. Guys, I don't know what to do. Well, okay. No shit. My comment would be like, no shit. Probably not leave, though. Maybe take maybe take the burning frying pan off the stove. Yeah. The hot stove. Maybe that would be step one. Okay. There's probably a sink right there. There is. No, no, you, you No. Well, if it's a grease fire, all you're gonna do is oh. spread the fire, which she already did once. I didn't know it was a grease fire. May want to have a little bit of baking soda. Boy, look at her nails. She's got like no. claws. Yeah, maybe she should have done a cooking class and not watched Kardashians. Maybe. I mean, so what do we learn from this segment? Amateurs don't go on videos. Use yeah. Uber Eats. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't uh, have a fire extinguisher handy, uh, make a hot stick to hot pockets mm-hmm. or lean cuisines. Caliente Something you can. Uh, call Uber Eats. There are a lot of scenarios right there. Or or uh, know how to do the tasks that you're going to live stream to the world. Be a good idea. You, that way you don't make an ass of yourself. Yeah, or burn down your apartment or burn down the building that everyone else is living in. Yeah. They're, yeah. I'm they, sure they, they, sure they want to appreciate that. A, that. Um, you know, not a moron. Uh, I, think, I think we learned that uh, common sense is needed in this uh, – Video. Hey Subway. there, Subway. I think we learned common sense is not common. Subway slam. Yeah. That's what we learned. So Subway, what's happening? What give us some good news? Hey, not much. Um, I mean the Sixers got eliminated yesterday. Um, yeah. that was pretty crazy. Did the ultimate um, Karen have to wake you up? Nope. You mean you woke up on your own? Uh, there's. I, I'm not gonna. No. Um. Yeah. I guess. Um, you sound perplexed. Like, how did I know that? <laughs> um. And I, I won't say anything about the juice box. Okay. Juice box. <laughs> Oops, I said too much. What about the juice right box? Right or am I right? Uh. Yeah. Yeah. You said too much. <laughs> What, ha- what happened to the juice box? Uh, we won't talk about it. Oh, Did it end up someplace it shouldn't have ended up? <laughs> no. All right. Then why wouldn't we talk about it? If it didn't end up your ass or something. Uh, you know not anyways. Uh, wow, big bike. That's pretty harsh. Yeah. Well, you know, that's if you don't want to talk about it, that's usually that's where my mind goes. Juice box yeah, was up your ass. Yeah, yeah you know what? Let's just let, let's just say it did go up. Yeah, let's just say it did go up my ass. All right, that's painful. <laughs> wow, that I did um, not know. Breaking news, folks. Boop, am I right or am I right? Yeah. Hey, hey, you ever noticed that? Uh, uh, if, you, I, I, if you hey, have you ever noticed that James Harden was never actually trying yesterday in the basketball game yesterday for Game Six? That's what uh, people keep saying. Um, yeah, so I guess I mean it was a close game, but uh, they couldn't they couldn't get it done. James Harden did not play his best, and Tyrese Maxey literally went off on him. 
Uh, well, James Harden's not a good defensive player. He's never been a Yeah, he's player. never. But I'm under the assumption that he probably wanted to have a little, little early exit. He wanted to go to, to a Cancun and strip to a Cancun strip club and get his wee wee touched by some Cancun girls. Um, some Cancun strippers. Yep. Sounds like a good time to me. Yeah. So why go to Cancun club, when you go, go to go to Toronto? I, I, I mean, you know strippers. Am I right or am I right? Does Toronto have good strippers? Uh, it's Toronto, the best. He asks specifically. It's the best. Oh, then uh, Big Ed says that with like confidence. Like that's the only thing Canada can beat American is strippers. <laughs> and strippers. They have better strippers than we do. They do. Are you serious? Yes. Strippers yeah. and of course, ice. Huh. Oh. Uh, speaking of what do these Canadian strippers do? No, they just normally dance around and take their clothes off. They don't. Well, have very uh, and they're very cordial, yes. like most Canadians. Yes, they're polite though. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh. They, you know they went to finishing school. You know, so they you know they have class. Uh, I have some breaking news from the ultimate Karen, by the way. Am oh, I allowed yeah, to share it? Uh, oh, Subway Slam? It depends. depends. You should just tell us and then and then and then and then, and then and then and then and then Subway, you oh, tell I us see. if you're supposed to share it. I think that's how <laughs> go ahead. Apparently, yeah, go. apparently Ultimate Karen is listening because I just got the exclusive came across the the Montecito's uh teletape. Oh. It says, uh, I did have to wake him up and ask him about singing at the Apollo. Well, Subway, what about uh, singing at the Apollo? Uh, you know that little off-Broadway off thing that I did? Uh, the little off... Yeah, the, uh, the little off-Broadway. Yes. Off yeah. Correct. So apparently... Yeah, uh, off, off. Well, uh... They, uh, we got contacted. We got we sent in some submissions to perform at the Apollo Theater, and uh, we got accepted. Oh, how about that? Are you being yeah, serious? congratulations? Yes, I yes yes I'm serious. Oh, so they're gonna put you back into a, a Tony consideration then, correct? Yep. Good. Because I don't want it to happen to you. What happened to Tears for Fears? And then you lose out to uh, a has been, you know, British pop star. Hashtag yeah. tears for tears for fears. Great band. Great band. Yes. And I want you to put a cup on so nobody touches your wee wee. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens at West Backstage Rome, so, at the uh, Apollo. Ask Michael Jackson. <laughs> 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 yeah, that maybe I should. Way. Yeah, maybe I should. Uh, you, uh, yeah, maybe I should ask Michael Jackson. In fact, I want actually. I'm I actually very into. I you well, can't ask Michael Jackson. He's kind well, of dead. Yeah, he he's. Yeah, you're right. He you're right. He's dead. <laughs> lock, lock forever. Um, <laughs> oh wait, that's. That's Nelson. Uh-oh. Uh, nope. uh, no. <laughs> oh, someone's Bye. Have a nice day. Now, 
I have a story. I have a story Karen. Hi, yeah. Ultimate Karen. I have a story about someone's wee wee. Oh. Uh, oh. So just listen, don't be a crybaby, Subway Slam. So the first night of wow. his performance, Charlie is singing on stage, right? Oh, oh my and he borrows God. and he borrows dad's pants because he needed to look like a poor kid. So dad's like, oh, I have a pair of pants. So when I was in Florida, I got dad's pants and they were like really shitty. So James definitely looked poor on stage. Well, James is sitting there on stage. He has a hole in his fucking crotch. I am dying. <laughs> I did, am he play, so... did he play with his wee-wee? On... Yeah, I was so worried his wee-wee was going to pop out. I was oh, so <laughs> And thank God, I literally, thank God I had my face mask in my pocket. I put it on because I was laughing so hard because the, the hole was massive and I was so stressed. Oh, Where was your wee-wee in all this? Well, his wee-wee didn't fall out. Thank God he wears boxer briefs. Yeah, but he put a hole, a big hole in dad's pants. And all I remember in my head is like, oh, dad's going to be so pissed. Because dad's like, don't mess these pants up. They're my favorite pants. You know I don't like buying new clothes. He not only put like a hole in the seam, but he ripped them all the way up like the actual fabric. Oh, my God. And he had to wear the pants the next day for the show, too. So well, I had Brian sew. I had Brian sew. sew up the wee-wee. It's sewed, and it actually, it's, it's actually doing really well. <laughs> and he's going to wear these at the Apollo. <laughs> And I hope his wee-wee don't fall out again. Yeah, well, it, it probably won't. So All right, that was my only there. that was my good. only story. I have to go back to just listening now. There. All right, thank okay. you, Okay, thank you for the story. Yeah, I don't know how to hang up. How do you, you guys will disconnect me? <laughs> yes, yeah. we'll do that. Bye. Disconnect. All right. Peace Bye. Out. Bye. Wow, Subway. The horse almost got out of the barn, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I should have, I said something. Um, yeah, that could have turned uh, into a big that, free willy story. Yeah, it could have. Yeah. What color boxer briefs that night, uh, Subway? What'd you have on? Uh, well, it was, uh, it was like these blue jeans, blue old jeans, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but what, what, what kind of drawers did you have on? Uh. Well, I had regular underwear and uh, they have like little hearts on them. They have hearts. A little teddy bear with the hearts. Yeah, let, why don't we say that? Yeah, sure. Or maybe it's a, yeah, sure. Or, we want to know what you had or on. Or maybe it's a, a little uh, orange that says "squeeze me, squeeze me." <laughs> um, right here. Yeah. Um. I mean, I had regular like I think I I don't know. I think it was like blue underwear um okay uh and then uh i actually had i actually had like sweatpants streaks covering, or no streaks? uh skid marks uh no no skid marks <laughs> so they're fresh I, but i thought you're supposed to be poor you got to be the part method acting. yeah and yeah method acting i did that it, it, it did i did really well um 
Whatever you're doing, when you wipe, wipe one less time when you're getting in the character. I feel like that's worse than the hole if somebody really is expecting these back in pristine condition. Well, no, it's his underwear, so it's not like it's going to transfer to the pants. Really? No, it's not. It'll stay in the underwear. Well, this way he'll be slightly distracted because he didn't do a good job wiping. They call it a hobo wipe. Aha, is that what it is? It's like hobo chili, but in your hiney. Oh, yeah, you, you, you know, I don't, Bobo don't worry, chili. I, don't wow. worry, I, I bet people, uh, I, I bet, re- uh, let's use WWE example, I bet WWE wrestlers had their, uh, their uh, pants ripping off, uh, ask John Cena, maybe ask Seth Rollins, or go ask CM Punk, or Cody Rodes, uh, they probably had their pants, I'd rather ask the Subway Slam, pants are, they're almost as old as Uncle Louie and me. Wow, hey, Di. Oh, hey. I was just going to tell James uh, Subway Slam to send them to uh, uh, to me out here in Georgia, and Uncle Bill will make sure they're perfect. And um, they're perfect Papa enough. will never know. They're perfect enough that Brian sent them good well. Uh, they- are they ripped? No. Yes. Okay. D. Okay. So, are you saying that Brian did a terrible job at sewing them? Oh, because he sewed them for the next day, and it actually did not rip. And he tried. He tried ripping. No. I just want. Y'all had a to reinforced know, crotch. My new favorite thing to say is going to be perfect enough. Oh my gosh, Melissa. Uh, uh, Sweet Melissa, I can't wait for a vacation. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh my gosh, James. What? Who's gonna notice? Who? Who that? Oh, uh, I don't know what to call him. Uh, grumpy old man is gonna notice. But uh, no, he won't. You don't think so? I mean, I don't know. What do you, how am I supposed to? Do? Oh my god! You know what? The ultimate Karen just sent you a picture. He did. Yes. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Subway Slam. Yeah, and uh, they're they're in my room right now. Yeah, he uh-huh. will never notice. Papa oh. will never know this. Can we can we do this another time? Yeah, I, actually, I'd rather have this another time. All right, let's let's move on. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. Reinforced crotches and all. Yes, Kentucky uh, Derby Subway? last weekend. So it's the Derby. Now hold on. All right. Hold. So all right, we we, we got to pipe that down. All right. Sorry there, uh, baby die, but we got to move the show on. So the Derby, the Derby, I mean, you finally had a full crowd there. It's the 148th run. A lot of hats. Oh, you got to have a hat. Got to have a hat. Dale Jr. There covering it. Of course. You know, for the NBC crew. Yeah, he's part of NBC. Did he have a mint julep? I don't know. Uh, I'm going to guess he probably did. Um, Who's the buddy that's always with them? Uh, Rutledge Wood. Boy, he had a cool suit on. Oh, I bet it was he 
dresses very flamboyantly. He's uh, what, what, he's what did the suit look? It was like? like all green with like dollar signs or something. He looked like the, the looked guy, like a, like a pimp. He, he pretty much like a pimp, like a white hillbilly bearded pimp. <laughs> yes, he was a Kentucky. Wait, what pimp. channel did you? I didn't see him at all. Yeah, they were on NBC. They're on NBC earlier. I missed. Uh, I missed the Derby last. They were. They were on the pre coverage. Oh, I and see. They, I, they, I got they, right two minutes for coverage. Uh, oh, no, my no, friend no. from they, Ohio, she called me. Oh, okay. Um, and we, then, uh, well, he ran into Jimmy Johnson, so he had a picture with J- Jimmy Johnson was there. Jimmy Johnson was at the Derby. He was. All right. He wasn't wearing a hat. Not a hat. No, no hat. No. But well, it's, it's not really. No, it's kind no, of it's a lady ladies. thing to wear it the is. hats. It is. Some get really far out there. Some of them, it's like... Is is that too heavy for your head? I think like you become the flying nun with some of the hot some guys. of them, man. Wind comes along and you're gone. <laughs> it, it was a packed crowd. This horse, uh, Rich Strike, was a late entry. There was a he horse was a fill-in. He was, he was a fill-in. Fill there was a horse that scratched on uh, Friday. And Thirty minutes before the deadline. Yeah, 30 minutes before the deadline, they were able to get this horse in. And this is a small, like, Kentucky farm. I mean, you know their backstory. They they, they lost a, a, a stable with horses and a fire. The the farm where this horse came yes. from. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's it's insane. Their whole thing, it's like the Seabiscuit story. You know, this horse didn't have its act together till you know, more recently. And, um, I mean... NBC later out put out an overhead shot of a drone and you can watch this horse going in from like turn three in like 15th place of the 20 horses. Yep. And somehow weave through the pack. And by the time he gets a straightaway, the lead horse is epicenter and the other horse was already in the lead, like running each other down. It's like it, the, it's like the seas parted on the, the last yeah. of the, you know, before the straightaway, and he just he went for it. I mean, and the horse had the steam. The horse had. It looked. The horse looked right at the other horse. It oh, it, the it, yeah, thing. yeah. Melissa's like, look, look at the horse. Like, you know, we're watching it. Um, I mean, it is looking at epicenter as it's running it down. Like, it knows. It's weird. Race horses have like a certain thing to. They know what the hell's going on, in right. a sense. And horses like that, that like winning horses, just I, I don't know what to tell you. They they want to beat the other horse. This one had the nuts to do it and ran them all down. It, it, it ran through the finish line. They already announced uh, they're not going to go to the Preakness. Really? Yeah. And Why? well, the Preakness is a tough race. And the- he said he's like, I'm going to put the horse in a race he's not ready for. It's not ready for it. It's a sprint. It's a totally different thing. And if they haven't trained for it, actually what happened uh, in the past, what people did, they've won the Derby and they take a horse to the Preakness that's not ready and the horse gets hurt, oh. which that you could put the horse's life in, in right. jeopardy by doing that, you know, uh, so they're not going to do that. So it's good stewardship. I don't think people understand that this a race like this takes a lot out of a horse. It, it does because they. This is a very unique. The Triple Crown is so hard for the horses because they generally don't run big stake races so close together. 
and to run these three races. And then you got to put the horses on trailers. And then they're on the trailer. They're going from Kentucky uh, Preakness, I believe. That's the one that's um, – is that like Maryland? That's Maryland. Yeah, uh, so yeah. you got to take them to Maryland. You know, you got to get them stables, get it acclimated there. And then, then two weeks later, you're going up to New York from Belmont. So they're just going to go to Belmont. So which, it, it stresses the horse, I'm sure, some you know, somewhat to do all that traveling yeah. in a short amount of time. Plus, this but is a this distance horse, horse anyway. I, I think it'll be good for him. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to watch this horse run at Belmont. Big Ed, did you see the horse? Did you see it look at the other one? I, 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 it's the strangest thing. You know, the last, right? the last like eight seconds, they have this horse. I'm like... What's this horse doing? And the best was when they showed the aerial, though. I mean, this guy had a strategy. And, like, the Red Sea parted, like, the last eighth of a mile, and he just went for it. He shot hey, the rail, and he, he had to weave one horse at the end. Mm-hmm. And he went by those horse, and he was picking up speed as he went by him. Yeah. Like, he was still get, getting faster. You know, he wasn't topped out yet. Wasn't he ahead by, like, four seconds to the next one behind him by the end of it? Um, I'm I'm not sure, but he was, you know, he was constantly gunning him down and then kept making distance afterwards. It's not like he held his laurel. He just kept going for it. Yeah. It was convincing. And they they went out at a fast pace, too. It was like the fastest quarter mile to start the Kentucky Derby. They they had pretty – I mean, it was a pretty fast time. I mean, they didn't catch Secretariat's time. Um, you know, that, that's safe for a while, but, uh, it was, it was some race and Hey, hell of a jockey though. I mean, that guy just yeah, nerves to steal yeah. to just ride through everything. You know, kind of guy. Yeah. Did you see he was covered with dirt? And then when they came back from commercials, they must've cleaned them up. Oh, well, how about when afterwards, you know, they, they send out the ponies to go wrangle the horses in and how feisty oh yeah was so yeah, someone i couldn't was, believe how the what do they call the other horse that's like he's a judge or something that's guiding him to victory lane or whatever yeah he's like really punching on the horse fouls the owner I'm like hey it's no, no 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 a derby winner yeah well that horse had bit him in the, well one it bit his pony it was biting his pony and then yes, it, it then it that. Yeah, well, then it bit him. It bit his leg with his big old fucking teeth. Oh, it bit his leg. Yes, yeah. Yeah, someone else put out another camera angle, and that horse clearly bit the oh. shit out of this guy. And that's when he started. It, this guy was hammering on him, too. I'm like, oh, I hope the owner don't see this. <laughs> oh, well, look, they're 2,000-pound beasts. They're, you know, yeah. they're going to do what they want sometimes, unfortunately. But you got to do something to... <clears throat> calm it down to protect yourself and the other horse and but yeah it's not every day that you win a race and you get punched in the face <laughs> yeah congratulations his yeah. reward a bucket of apples and a fucking mike tyson left hook yeah <laughs> like blazing saddles he knocks the fucker out Pow. yeah yeah power right the kisser power right the kisser yeah alex Karras. yes Alex Karras. Yeah, so 
the derby was good. I'm looking forward to – I don't know. The Preakness will still be fun. There will be good entries, but I'm definitely uh, looking forward to the Belmont, see if uh, Rich Strike can uh, follow up his follow Kentucky up. Derby feet. Yes. Well, well you know, the other thing is the, he does not have to worry about ringers because he's not running the Preakness. Yeah, he's not. They're they're not trying to win the triple crown, correct? So he's like, I got you. Spoiler alert: We're not going to the Preakness. Nope. Hey, for that farm, I mean, even if they just walked away from the Derby, I mean, they they made their fortune. I mean, so let, let me ask you this: that's as far that's as- retirement right there. Yeah. So with the, the the winnings for the Derby, how's how does that work for the how is that divvied up? Um shit. I, I don't know. I think they figure uh, out the I, first I think it's an agreement, time. just like a NASCAR driver or any of those guys, there's an agreement with the owner, you know. You probably well, I have think a, it's a percentage of the win. Sure. Yeah. He probably gets a little bump in salary. What's the Derby pay? What's what's? Do they announce? Did they announce that? I, you know what? I I don't know. It, the because derby, they keep a the, lot of that quiet now with the, sports. Yeah, the the Derby is going to be a big one, but the bigger thing is what they're going to make after the fact because they're going to put that horse to stud. To stud yeah, because now he's point. a Derby winner. Uh, he's got a and the, a lineage, and they will make. I mean. Tens and tens of millions. So they were they were high fiving like a motherfucker back yeah. at the farm. No, I mean it's it's a big deal, and um, you know you get a lot of foreign investors, um, a lot of Japanese investors that are really interested into in the horses. And I'll tell you what, the Japanese send really good horses to the to Kentucky every year. They they've won a couple, uh, some uh, Japanese farms. They had one that was um, uh, what was that the crown pride or something like that that was running it was a pretty highly favored it was like an eight to one which is pretty up that's there. pretty strong so yeah that's the derby so but i think we're moving on to other things right now we're moving on oh and you know what we haven't talked about oh casey if our fans out there all three or four of them if they wanted to get in touch with us, how would they do this? Oh, you could reach us on uh, Twitter at well at, at beer seats, beer seats uh, yeah. or you can email us at the show at warmbeerandcheapseats.com. We want to hear from you. Give us if you have any show ideas, any comments, any any ideas. We're open to them. Send just, them to us. Yeah, just not sidebar conversations. Yeah, we do that. That's our specialty. That's our specialty. So leave that to us. This is Big my specialty. Rock and roll retrospective. Yes. I have no specialty, but I do like to do this every week. Thanks, guys. So this week, uh, keeping with the Supergroup 3, I, mean, I learned a lot about these guys that really, I, I think they're a, a pre-Supergroup. Super Temple of the Dog, self-titled, 1990. Uh, Temple of the Dog was an American uh, supergroup formed in Seattle, Washington in 1990. It was conceived by vocalist Chris Cornell of Soundgarden as a tribute to his friend, the late Andrew Wood, lead singer of the band's Malfunction and Mother Love Bone. 
Uh, the lineup included Steve Gossett on rhythm guitar, Jeff Ament on uh, bass guitar, both ex-members of Mother Love Bone and later future stars of Pearl Jam. Mike McCready, also later on Pearl Jam, and lead guitar, and Matt Cameron, Soundgarden, and later Pearl Jam on drums. Eddie Vedder appeared as a guest to provide some lead and backing vocals. Vedder would appear four months later as lead vocalist on Pearl Jam's debut 10, which uh, catapulted him into the stratosphere. The recording session took place from December, uh, excuse me, from November to December 1990 at London Bridge Studio in Seattle, Washington. This album was recorded in only 15 days. Uh, amazing. The group worked with producer Rick Parashar, and I'll, I'll circle back to him, who was uh, also engineered, mixed, and played piano on two songs on the album, uh, Reach Down and Say Hello to Heaven. These two songs are written in response to Wood's death, while other songs were written by Cornell on tour prior to Wood's death. He reworked a few from existing material from demos written by Gossard and Ament. This album was certified platinum in the U.S. and Canada and reached number five on the U.S. Billboard charts and reached top 10 again in 2017 on its 25th anniversary uh, release. The album did not gain any traction until the release of Pearl Jam's debut album, 10. So the album's got 10 songs on it. It's 54 minutes and 59 seconds. It's a, it's a long listen, but it's a good listen. Temple of the Dog are Jeff Amenti's bass guitar, art direction, and design photography. Matt Cameron, drums and percussion. Chris Cornell, lead vocals, harmonica on track six, banjo on track seven. Stone Gossett, rhythm guitar, slide guitar, acoustic guitar. Mike McCready, lead guitars, all of them. Eddie Vedder, backing vocals on, on 4, 8, and 9, and, and co-lead vocals on track 3. Rick Powershaw, production, piano, tracks 5 and 6 and 10. Organ, track 10. Mastering work. Uh, so this guy produced and engineered this album. He's worked with Alice Chains, Pearl Jam, Blind Melon, just to name a few. Uh, this guy's really well known in the, in the uh, Seattle uh, circle. The album features members of Soundgarden and what would soon be, be become Pearl Jam. Temple of the Dog's self-titled album might never have gained as much traction if not for Pearl Jam's blockbuster success a year later. In turn, by providing a peek at uh, Cornell's more straightforward classic rock influence side, Temple of the Dog was like a hobbit for Soundgarden's mainstream breakthrough with Super Unknown. Nearly every founding member of Pearl Jam appears on Temple of the Dog including the unknown Eddie Vedder. So are you surprised that the record sounds like a, a bridge between Mother Love Bone's theatrical 70s rock and Pearl Jam's hard rock and seriousness? What I did not know is that Cornell was the dominant composer, writing the music on seven of the 10 tracks and lyrics on all. Keeping in mind that Soundgarden's previous album was overblown metallic funk of Louder Than Love, the precise, relatively clean sound of Temple of the Dog is considerably different, and its mellower moments are small glimpses in, in terms of uh, Cornell's songwriting abilities. It isn't just a band either, a very emotional album in comparison, and his melodies and song structures are pure. Vintage hard rock. In fact, it's almost as though he's trying to write in the style of Mother Love Bone, 
which makes sense since Temple of the Dog was a tribute to that band's late singer, Andrew Wood, who died of a subsequent uh, heroin overdose. Not every song here is directly connected to Wood. Once several specific pieces were, were recorded, additional material grew quickly out of the group's uh, natural chemistry. As a result, there's a very loose, jam-orientated feel, too much of the album, and while it definitely roams at times, the result is more immediate and emotional impact. The album's strength is its mournful, somber ballads, but thanks to the band's spontaneous creative energy and warm sound, it's permeated by a definite positive aura. That may seem like a, a lot of a juxtaposition, but consider the adage that funerals are more for the living than the dead. Temple of the Dog shows Wood's peers working through their grief and finding the strength to move on. Changed my opinion of this album for sure. Big Ed gives us 2.75 Montecitos and the Duke Boy would have uh, liked some of the singles, but probably not the album. After all, the General Lee is fueled by the Duke Boy's right foot. And in order to stay in it, to do ultimate burnouts, the Duke Boy needs rock. I'm Big Ed. Enjoy and listen. All right. Well done. Very well said. It was a hard one. It's really, you know, that, really complex album. It's, it is a complex album. Um, you know, when Andy Wood died, I mean, that was the first guy in the Seattle sound. And, and for people, you know, if they don't understand what, you know, the Seattle sound or the, the music scene uh, in the nineties in Seattle, there, it was a very communal, there, is is very uncommon for what most music scenes are very competitive and they kind of were not competitive. Everyone was kind of helping each other out, trying to figure it out because Seattle was not really like a music scene. It wasn't a New York. It wasn't an LA. It wasn't an Austin. It wasn't a Nashville. It was just a second, you know, it wasn't even a, it was an afterthought for, for everyone, you know, until accidentally sub pop gained traction and got some bands like on the radio and, you know, but when Andy Wood died, that was the first really young guy to die, you know, and of a drug overdose before any of these guys had made it uh, were famous. And I mean, that that was a, a, a huge emotional toll. And you would think any these guys would have learned. They didn't. No, um, you know, unfortunately, it's uh, it, it, you, you see this with. Um, uh, this often. is the nature of the beast on, on this type of uh, industry. Yeah. I mean, say, to ho say hello to he uh, heaven is the most emotional song to me on that, that album. Cause that's, I mean, Cornell's just writing to Andy Wood, uh, you know, directly in that song. I, I, I learned a lot about this. I had no idea. You know what? When I first heard it, there was a single that on the radio when it came out, and yeah, hun like hunger, right? And then you know, hunger. I got tired of it, so I didn't. I never listened to it. So this was really a good, you know, uh, not that don't judge the book by its cover, but I guess maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's like listening to Night Ranger, okay? And you like, oh, Sister Christian, you know? But if you listen right. to Night Ranger, they fucking jam, and they're a great live act. So you just have to, you just have to, folks, you just have to give it a listen. Yeah, That's it's what Jake Ed says, listen and enjoy. Yeah. No matter it's, what it's, you're into. It's, it's a one-off album, 
but it's uh, unique yeah. to its time. And I mean, it's a unique collaboration of artists because you do have like what was Mother Love Bone and, you know, members of Alice in Chains and Soundgarden all coming together for this album. And, and really it was made to, for them, it was their therapy was the, Right. And you know what? They get together yeah. every few years and they, they do some shows. So I don't yeah. think you've heard like the the last of them. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And a lot of these guys interchanged later on, whether it was um, uh, Mad Season or, you know, uh, there, there were a couple of different bands that uh, interchanged. Yes. And, yes, and, Matt, and Matt Cameron, who was Soundgarden's drummer, is now in Pearl Jam. So there there there'd always been um, a lot of crossover. Uh, and with these artists, that Seattle sound, uh, that whole Seattle scene, they're all pretty tight knit, you know. As far as it's not like a rivalry of like this guy's a douche and yeah, I'll, you know. Well, I guess Eddie Vedder and Nikki Six, but that's the exception. But I mean, yeah. for the most part, those got. But that group, that that whole Seattle group, they're they're pretty tight. Yeah, I, I would recommend anyone that would want to understand the culture, the music, is to watch a documentary called Hype. And it's about the uh, music label Sub Pop and the Seattle sound uh, early on through basically all the bands outgrowing uh, Sub Pop. That whole thing's kind of grown on me through the years. The only one I really liked out of the box was Alice in Chains. Yeah, they're. When it came out. Sure. Yeah, they're. Alice in Chains. That was all good. my jam. Well, that was all my wheelhouse, was that music for me. Me too. Out of my wheelhouse. Really? But I do know some of it because of pop pop music. And what you grew was, up in that time. Yeah, I grew, grew up in the era. So, yeah. you know, you can't help but to know a lot of the songs. I mean, you can't sit here and say in the 90s you, you didn't know there was a band called Nirvana. No, it, been you'd have to live it under a rock. I, even so, I, I, I think even Patrick knew who Nirvana was. <laughs> and the bikini the, bottom, yes, yes, the yes. starch. Of course, yeah. You know, bikini bottom. They had a radio station. Did they? Sure, they did. Yeah, I think so. Really? I'm believing it. No. I Here's hope so. <laughs> oh man! Sounds I'm good. What it, it's blue. They probably had like there a Wolfman Jack of the Sea. Absolutely. What would he be like? Like Wolfman Jack of the Sea. Yeah. Like a little fish. It looks like Wolfman Jack. Pretty much. That's what I imagine. They they wouldn't go too far with it. No. They wouldn't try to reinvent that wheel. And yeah, they just blatantly rip it off. Subway, are you still there? Yes, sir. Had, had you listened to this album before? No, no, not at all. Um... I, I mean, I got to listen to more Temple of the Dog. I Actually, I probably got to listen to more Chris Cornell in general because he's awesome and oh, uh, awesome. he's an awesome musician. Absolutely. All right. Well, we, you got your homework, so that's all right. Now, Big Ed, uh, do, you, do you think you know what you're moving on next week? Well, we're, we're still working super groups. We do super groups in the 2000s. Uh, yeah, I figured I'd finish it up to uh, 2010s and call okay. it a – because I want to do the Matt Wood, and I got a couple others up my sleeve that uh, – Okay. 
So do I, you I know? Wanna get, I want to get the Matt Wood under my uh, into my iTunes library so I can play it in the car too when I'm driving. I got you. So do you know what you want to do uh, next week? I guess if people want to do homework. No, right? you know what? I've b- pretty busy week this week. A good week with the uh, Montecito, but uh, no. Okay. It, I, probably, probably after the show, I'll, I'll take take the time. You know. Yeah, just let us know. Pull it over. Oh, we, we did you'll start listening. by the morning. We started listening to some of the uh, the albums for our homework for the future. We did do that last week. Mm-hmm. We what listened, did you listen to? Uh, Poco, obviously. And then we listened to um, Pete Townsend. Yep. Pete Townsend. Right. That's, a, that's, a, that's a good a album. That's a great album. It's a great album. I, there are more songs on there I realized I knew than. Yes. Yes. It just, it just kind of morphed into a. Uh, a radio, you know, type of album. He must have done that album right after Keith Moon had died, I think. Oh, it was nineteen eighty. I, I think yeah. you look at it. Yeah. I mean, that was seventy eight, and yeah. you know, the writing style still was still very much a Who sounding, as if Pete, you know, because the Who's kind of unique because Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey share share lyrics, you know. Sure. I would say Pete Townsend does forty percent of the lyrics, does all the backing vocals, if not the lead. You know. Sure. He's quite the talent. Uh, yeah, I agreed. So you listened to Poco? I didn't listen to that Poco. When did that one come out? Is that like the third one? No, that's that's much later. That I think that's more like along. Uh, I want to say that's the eighth or ninth. That's Get later. out of here. Yeah. Hold on. Let me look. I'll look they had me. that many albums, Poco? They, yeah, they had uh, quite a few. They had a lot of albums. Huh. I always find that surprising. Yeah. How because he was he wound up with the Eagles during the Hotel California sessions. So that was 76. Let's see what what. Well, that album was around that time. Uh, I think we looked it up. Wasn't it like seventy-eight? Somewhere between seventy-eight and eighty. Head over heels. Head over heels. Seventy-five. Seventy-five, and that would have been number. Hold on. Yeah, because he must have left right then because ninth ninth album. Their ninth studio Holy album. <laughs> and they still had more. They just kept it going. Who who replaced Timothy B. Schmidt? On bass. That, we'd have to look that up. I'm not sure. Hopefully. <laughs> L- little known fact, Flea played for Poco for <laughs> That's pretty like, awesome. He did one album with them as different sound. Get out of here. Oh, that's hey, that, that, that's when they brought in the funk. It was country funk album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Flea. It's fucking like humping hay bales on stage and shit, you know? That'd be scary. Dude, in the early days, no, that's, that guy that's, was that's out like, of control. Hey, that's all you'd be wearing. No, he's just wearing a hay bale. That's it. <laughs> he was out of control in the early days. No, I think days. he was like the only sober guy in that band. Really? Yeah, I think. I don't think he was a guy that like Kitas and they had a guitarist that overdosed as well uh, early on. Yeah, and for Shanta, he was touch and go for a while too. 
Yeah, he had a lot of close calls, that kid. I think I think it's good to see the uh original you know that lineup back. Yeah. No, it's it's good, you know. Okay, so it would have been Poco's nineteen seventy eight album Legend is the album that Timothy B. Schmidt does not appear on. It was uh Charlie Harrison was the bass guitarist on that one. Oh yeah, Paul. By '78, he was uh, he was on a huge fucking wave. Timothy B. Schmidt with uh, Hotel California. You know, Hotel California sold about thirty million albums, just shy of Thriller. Charlie Harrison, I think, later was a baseball pitcher for the Indians, and he was the guy that was yeah. Selling, and he was saying like, uh, "You saying Jesus can't hit a curveball?" It's that guy, the same guy. Jesus Christ. You telling me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> oh no, Jesus, I like him too. <laughs> that is a great line. I was telling there's some kid, some kid at school. He got a, he got three hundreds, he got two hundreds, and I go, "Hey, you got two. You do one more. They call it a streak." And there's only one guy in class. I got the reference. I'm laughing. <laughs> They're doing. Uh... MLB Jesus Network Christ put up a poll of they got a poll up like on like what's the best baseball movie like you could set up a bracket and I was like well I'm going to have Major League run the table on this one but they had some good movies on there they'd be very debate worthy to include uh, yeah but there's so many great quotes in Major League that would oh, just surpass it. Even, it you know Paul Durham had like meat. That's just the only one. I mean, there was a couple, but you know, I think that you know, I think that one needs a flight attendant. I think when he gives the guy the tell them, here's a gift. Here yeah. comes the heater. He fucking parks it. And he's, like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, wow. It's like that one needed a stewardess or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's a good line too. <laughs> but uh, major league, I think, trumps them all. You telling me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? That's probably the best line in the movie. Yeah, like, hey, would you like to manage the Cleveland Indians? Uh, I don't know. I got a set of white walls I'm waiting on. <laughs> Lou Brown. Well, just a well cast movie, that's for sure. Sure. Good ensemble. Well, I think we kind of covered it all this week. I think we did, as we do run. every week. Any, as any, we do. Any final words? Any words of wisdom from anyone? Uh, yeah. Uh, the I mean, we're good for 79 minutes. We hit that 80th minute. It's like a fucking wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Without Pittsburgh Penguins. my other quote. Sorry. Ah, yes. Well, uh, I got to shout out Go Lightning. We didn't die – at home, Lord Stanley still lives at least for one more game. We're and taking I have it to Toronto. Shirt coming in on Tuesday, so keep it going, folks. That's right. Yeah, uh, Penguins suck. Uh, <laughs> there you go. All right. Penguins there we go. Suck. There you have it. It's another great Friday night. Thanks for joining us. Warm beer and cheap seats. Friday's here again. Our special women guests tonight. The what? Our special women that came on. Oh, yeah. Thanks, women. 
We appreciate you coming on. Don't do cooking yes. segments. Yeah. yeah, because you might Thank catch you. shit on fire. Thank you, Lifetime Channel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>